You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Welcome to episode 8 of the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. Um, for this episode, I am going to run a little interview I did with a, a guy who came to, to visit me here in St. Bart for a training. His name is Raymond. He's working on cruise ships and has been doing that for 18 years. Uh, he's sailing. He's been sailing all around the world and uh, always bringing his gear, trying to find places to, to train. I think it was a really interesting story he had. And... Um, I brought my uh, my little microphone uh, with me uh, when I went to pick him up at the harbor and um, train with him during the day. I often get um, questions from people about how how do you afford to how can you afford to travel a lot to train and how do you like not have a job so you can just do nothing but but fly around the world and train jujitsu. And uh, obviously, there are many many solutions to this. Um, some easier easier than others, but um, I mean, one one would be to to find a job that that includes traveling, where traveling is part of the job. Uh, and I think this is um, working on a cruise ship is um, is definitely one of these. And um, I think it was very interesting. I, I don't know much about cruise ships myself. Uh, I've never been on one until actually just a few weeks after Raymond was there. Um, but I never really thought about that option for uh, for traveling. So maybe that's something to consider if you if you're looking for a way to get around the world and uh, and get to train in a lot of different places. Um, but anyhow, um, let's run the interview and then I'll get back to you immediately as it's uh, over. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm on my way to town to pick up. A guy who works uh, on a cruise ship that's just docked here in uh, St. Bart. So I'm going to see if I can find him. Um, apparently he's been working on cruise ships for a while. He was supposed to come here a few weeks ago. But um, the waves were too too high, so they couldn't, uh, they couldn't get to shore. So um, he's here again. And uh, he wants to train jiu-jitsu. So I always think it's really nice to have some visitors on the island because we don't have a lot of people to train with here. Uh, so whenever someone uh, who trains jiu-jitsu is on the island, I always try to make time for them. So it's Wednesday, 11 a.m. And uh, I just got in my car. I actually said I would pick him up at 10.45. But as always, I'm a little bit late. I'm uh, getting really accustomed to the Caribbean time here. Um, so I'm just driving down the hill from where I live and uh, I'm picking him up by the ferry. It's uh, around five minutes from here, the, the little town, Gustavia. Uh, so I was kind of curious about this guy since, uh, well, just getting my car out of here. I was pretty curious about this guy. Uh, I don't know much about it, but um, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, bring my little microphone and uh, have a chat with him and see if it was uh, worth a podcast episode, his story. 
So apparently he's been sailing around for 18 years, been doing jiu-jitsu for six years, I think he told me, and uh, always try to find a place to train wherever he goes. So now he's in St. Bart and we don't have a lot of sparring partners here. So uh, I am very glad to have someone on the mat. So I'll be happy to uh, take him to the gym and, um, and go a few rounds. Perhaps some of the local guys will show up as well. We'll see. I am now entering the town of Gustavia. Uh, I can actually see a big cruise ship out there anchored. Um, so I assume that's his. Uh, so I, I hope he's going to be here. Um, just need to find some parking. It's another beautiful day, end of February. I can't believe it's already been two months into this year. It's There are no seasons here and no change of weather. Time is just weird like two months feels like a few weeks because nothing changed so okay I'm in I am here by the ferry and I will find a place to park and see if I can spot this guy I just need to look for someone with a key there he is I see him already all right this gotta be it I'll go see if I can if that's him Hey Ray. How's it going, man? How you doing, man? Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you, man. Welcome. Good, thank you, man. I, uh, you don't mind, eh, to train today? Uh... No, no, not at all. Get in the, okay, cool. the hurricane mobile. <laughs> I'm always happy to have some guests here. Wow, thanks so much, man. I think I have a few more times that I get you, and I think I have one overnight here. Actually. Okay. Oh no, that's nice. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if you could come visit during the one of the evening classes with yeah. the locals because almost everybody are working now obviously yeah. so I, I think there might be one or two guys uh, showing up today it usually depends on whether or not there are waves so okay, cool. <laughs> no if the waves are too good they're, they're not doing <laughs> jiu-jitsu waves before BJJ yeah exactly <laughs> that could be a good t-shirt actually the podcast is kind of a new project, but I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. At least, if nothing else, it gives me an excuse to just uh, ask people about their story and stuff. So, uh, no, man. Um, if I tell you my little story about what you did for me, you will not believe. But uh, before I met, before I spoke to you that a couple of weeks back, yeah, I was, uh, I was, still, I was very unhappy and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't in the right place. And then when I met you, <clears throat> I went to. Um, I went online and, I, and I, after we spoke and I went to the uh, on your site. Right. Oh, you said you met. We didn't meet before, right? Well, online kind okay, of. Okay. And I listened <laughs> to your story and you were like, we were trying to hook up, but I couldn't hook up with you. So right. you said to me, go listen to my podcast. I have a podcast series. So I went to go listen to your podcast series. Right. And then uh, I, I watched the one where you were entrepreneur about the entrepreneur. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, you That's... changed my life completely. Bro, oh shit! I swear <laughs> to you, man. What you told me that when I listened to that thing about how if you want to be an entrepreneur, you go get the books and everything, yeah. you start to study, you can do it, it's success is planned and all this. So I said, effort, I'm going to do it. I started to do it, man. I changed my ways. I started to listen to all your ideas. I've got, I've got like six books that I'm reading at the oh, moment. Nice. I listen to entrepreneur uh, podcasts every day. You're like, like a mentor to me because you <laughs> do it BJJ. You do all the cool stuff, you live a great life, and you're an entrepreneur, so in all fact, you are everything that a, 
person that I was trying to look for in my life to find that drive or something to go towards. And I just want to thank you, man. Even though oh my God, I, uh, silently you didn't know any of this. <laughs> the expectations are so high. Now. No, no, but I might be a douchebag. No, never, man. <laughs> anyway, but, but you understand where I'm coming at? It's like we're rolling in like ten minutes, and I might be an absolute idiot on that. Just, <laughs> just like rolled. neon face. I haven't rolled in so long, so yeah, four weeks. I don't even know if I can. Even neon face, kind of retard black belt. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll really take it all back. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, something that really. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's like I just sit in my basement and record that stuff, and I can I can see there's been quite many listeners, and it's like a new project. But yeah. you never kind of know, you know. You know, it's nice to just meet someone random. It's like when I when I wrote when I wrote that book, yeah. I was just sitting at home writing it for myself, pretty much. You know? No, but like, and then just to, I, and then suddenly suddenly you meet someone who actually read it, and I was like, oh, whoa, wait, wait, did someone read that? <laughs> Let's see. So we're right here. So you've been you, you must have been seeing a lot of the Caribbean, huh? Yeah. Um, you, do you go how many how many uh, is it like a week? So what circle ha- thing depends. You do, Some of the cruises are normally seven days. So yeah. you, they pick up guests like in Fort Lauderdale. And they'll go to San Juan mm. and, and all these beautiful Caribbean ports and land up back at the same place. Drop them off. Do it again and again and again. Yeah. During a couple of months and then um, after a while they'll change the itinerary, which will be maybe their embarkation port will be Barcelona. Pick mm. up a few people. Maybe do a ten-day cruise. It all varies ship to ship mm-hmm. and the size of the ships. Some ships do the same place continuously the whole year round. Yeah. Like uh, Disney, they just stay at one place. Yeah. yeah. And they do the same cruising always. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I've been. I've done this for 18 years. Damn. I've been uh, all over the world. How old are you? I am uh, 38. 38, from yes. South Africa. Yeah, from South Africa, Cape Town. I started at uh, 21 when I was back in South Africa. Getting naughty, getting naughty. I needed to get away from all the troubles that I was doing, so I decided to get on work. At getting sea. naughty? Yeah, I was doing <laughs> bad things. <laughs> so I had to escape. And the easiest way was, you know, get, get out, get at sea. And it was a great, great thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Okay, let's hear more about that. Yeah, we can let's let's get in the gym and, uh, and uh, see if we can get a few rolls in. Bonjour, monsieur. Get off, get off Facebook and on the mats. <laughs> okay, okay. Good, yeah. This is Eric, he's uh, one of the locals. Hello. Hi. Alright, so here we are. We do? Yeah, oh Tom, yeah, Tom's Juice Bar is, is new owners. I don't know if they still have it. But. Uh, okay, because I was looking online and looks like okay. we, we can find it. Yeah. No waves today? Uh, maybe this afternoon. <laughs> I need to get out there. I've been, been so busy working after the camp. Kids here, like a kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Finally, you can submit someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Well, usually it's uh, yeah, usually it's like this. It's just us, you know. Just we're just a few, but we had 50 people here for the camp, so it was uh, that was really nice. Really busy, bro. You don't have a dog problems on actual Facebook in the, in the maps area to tell you when you like, you know, when you tag where you are in the area, you can put like BJJ Globetrotters. It's not in there, so you should find an address so that you can. Yeah, but we're 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 global. Okay, yeah, no, no, you are. <laughs> I just want to put it. Well, <laughs> we don't. I mean, you're looking at the HQ right now. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of moving around a little bit. All right, let me put on some uh, some music. Roll first, talk later. Yeah. So what's your schedule today? Me? I'm here till 4, 3.34. Okay, nice. Yes, uh, and what do you come? You come here every two weeks, or? Yeah, it depends. I think um, we have a few, more, a few more times, and then one uh -huh. I'm not sure. I'll send the itinerary to you. And then yeah, yeah. How many people on the ship? On this ship, it's small. We have 200 crew and like 250 guests. But I've worked on ships where there's 4,000. I think the one I booked is like 4,000 people. Ah, you're on the big one. 4,000 guests and like 1,200 crew, and it's like it's. Hectic factory. Factory. Yeah, it's, it's like a huge moving hotel. No, you be judging me. So here in the island, we only go like competition sparring with points. Okay. So I'll be counting. <laughs> <laughs> He's, we're just taking turns on, on him here. He looks tired. This is a boat cardio versus island cardio. But I tell you, man, when, I, when you travel and you train at all different clubs, it's unbelievable because, like, from today, I just learned from you that passing the guard technique, and I'll, I'll remember that forever. In St. Kitts, there was one move he taught me, I'll never forget. So every club that I go to, I always find one move that that gym teaches, and I always remember it because I think of that gym. Yeah. You know, it's really, really amazing. And some gyms do crazy things. Some people are thinking out the box. Some people are like Brazil. Wow. Nearly vomited when I went to Brazil. <laughs> we had to stop. It was just too much. Eh? Yeah. It's like the small dojo I went to, all smelly, sweaty, and damp, and just... Pick each other up, run across the room, drop each other, pick up weights, run there, do this, hit here, run there, do this, drill, 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 drill. After 30 minutes, you're like, and then, like, and it's humid and warm. Yeah, it's way warmer than here. Like Brazil? Brazil. Huh? Yeah, Brazil. Yeah. It depends on the club, but the one I went to, they were just hard. I don't hard. remember. You know, I live three, I spent three years in Australia, and I try, I try over the uh, jiu-jitsu. So I tried two, two courses. There was a Brazilian. Uh, teacher and they have a lot of Brazilian and Lebanese guys. Yes. I, I think, you know, when the first time I woke up, I was like thinking about, okay, they don't want me here. <laughs> no, for sure. You know, they don't even take, I mean, not even nice, not even high. It's and because you knew. I want to drink water. No, you're not allowed to drink. What? I say, okay, I'm not at school. 
I want to drink and drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's first time here for me here. I'm not going to die on the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't drink, by the way. It's going to be $100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens to me when I and have I, like I, a was, I, I find it quite rude. But yeah. after, that was, uh, this is probably why I take so much time to get back to, to Jiu-Jitsu. Because I, don't I was thinking about if everyone is like this. No, no, don't. Man. I've been all over the world. 99% everybody is welcoming. Yeah, it's yes, a family. Yeah, sure, sure. They walk you the in, arms open. You know, but you get the odd few, just ignore Yeah, or maybe they don't like the French. No, they're just know? money mad. <laughs> <laughs> we beat them in final yeah. World Cup, so they don't like I, us. I, I Some people are attracted to that. They, yeah. they, want, they want to be, you know, submissive. It's terrible, man. I had a guy who wanted uh, $100 for me for one week, one lesson. I said, are you mad? It's a guy in Texas. So I said, screw it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, some, some, I, I, I've run into a few academies like that, but it's like, it must attract some people, otherwise they can't exist. You know, some people are attracted by being, you know, like put down. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's kind Maybe, of the same yeah. if you if you love to sign up for the army or something, and they just kind yeah. of uh, like bully you and beat yeah. you and break you down, and you, uh, until, until that's you what you want. The, the yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, don't like that, uh, I can't do it. I've been many places, and most of them are very, very nice, helpful, and I give the same respect back to them. I always offer. Uh, gyms and accommodation, everything in South Africa because I want people to come there. It's a beautiful country. We have a good training session there. We have Atos, we have Gracie's. Did you grow up in South Africa? Yeah, I grew up um, 36 years in Johannesburg, South Africa. Then yeah. I moved to Cape Town for two, three years now. I've been there. Um, I'm half Lebanese, half Jewish. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What a mix, eh? My mom and dad, when they were young, they weren't <laughs> allowed to be together. Mm -hmm. So they like ran away from their families so they could be together because they were enemies, you know, yeah. Israelis and yeah. Israelis. So then my mom and dad went to Israel to immigrate there because uh, it was just a, it was a better benefit for them compared to South Africa's pension. And they went there and then I went there <coughs> and I met some guys, started doing jiu-jitsu there, learned from there. That's when I actually got into it. And from that day I was like loved it man and in Israel I was training morning and evening and I was training with black belts, purple belts, brown belts and I was the only white and they would train with me in the mornings I was getting smashed <laughs> but it was so fun and then after that I uh, went back to Johannesburg trained there at a club called Tap Out got my blue belt there and then from there went on the ships so that's where, you train when, that's where you train when you're home? Or? Yeah, when I'm home now, I train at Atos. Mm. Uh, Andrew Gaval comes uh, to grade us, but he hasn't been there, so I always miss it. Mm. But I was there, he was there once, and I rolled with him. It was uh, awesome. Uh, I've rolled with him, I've rolled with uh, Roberto Saborg. Uh, you know, and that's about it, those two. Because in Israel, Roberto came there for a seminar. And in Israel, I did like four tournaments. Brazil, I did one. South Africa, I've done like six. But you learn from tournaments, it's so different. You get in a tournament, first five minutes you're dead. It's nothing like when you roll in here. <laughs> and then you learn over time. I learned over time in tournaments, you cannot, you've got to get in there. Just relax, just let this flow, just don't even think about it. Just, you know. And I started to do that and then I started winning. And then I started realizing it's not just getting in. Because you get tense and excited. And, yeah, so that's why I enjoy competitions. It teaches you how to control your stamina and your strength. How did you end up on, uh, with your boat life? I was... Uh, what, 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 how did you make that decision? I was one day sitting with my, my mom and dad in there. They had a business, a cobbler shop in uh, Westgate Shopping Center in Johannesburg. 
and uh, I was very, uh, how do you say, in a bad environment, drugs, doing naughty things. I was like 21, 22. And then um, I sat there on the, on against the wall, I'll never forget, reading this newspaper, and this article was there, work on cruise ships. Call this number, and I was like, hell, maybe <laughs> just give it a bash. Called the number, you know, got an interview, got the job as an uh, assistant waiter on Royal Caribbean, got the job, went on board in 2001. For four months, I was an assistant waiter. It was terrible, terrible work, hard labor. Then I got promoted to a waiter for two more months, and then it was time for me to go home. But instead of going home, I decided to change position to go to broadcast, so I had to stay mm. an extra two months, so what's, I accepted. What's broadcast? Eh? What's, what's that? What's broadcast. broadcast. It's like a TV studio oh, okay. on, on the ship. So on I the control show. all the TV channels, I do oh, all the filming, all the editing, like the all the audio, porn yeah, all the video, audio, satellites. I do everything broadcast. Uh, media, everything that you know. And uh, I just stayed there ever since. I worked there for five years on Royal, five years on Regent, five years on, four years on Disney, three years on uh, Princess, and now I'm on the Silver Seas, been nearly a year. So, where, yeah. did, where did you sail? Everywhere, I've been everywhere. It's uh, Caribbean, Mexico, uh, Europe, Brazil, North America, um, you name it, everywhere. Only Antarctica I haven't been, and uh, some inland places because the ships don't go there, obviously. Uh, but you're everywhere. Even Hong Kong, all the places. Did you sail all the way to Hong Kong? Or? Yeah, the ship normally sails, does the crossing. It's like eight sea days. Hectic. Eight long sea days or whatever. And you're just at sea. From where? From like Panama? From, or? Yeah, wherever it is. Like we cross from, uh, it depends if you're from Africa, you just cross the sea. Or if you, it depends where the ship is sailing from or to. And sometimes you do the world cruise, which is like, does it in like a certain amount of days and it just does this whole itinerary and like sometimes you have overnights which is cool overnight in Greece overnight in Barcelona overnight in I'm having an overnight yeah all over you have overnights and that's when I go look for jits always when I have the overnights do you manage to find something most places <clears throat> always most of the places I always do it's the quiet small places I don't but like Colombia overnight there I found I went to some place there um, <clears throat> most of the places, even in St. Martin, but every time I get there... Did you train with Melissa? No, so she had Melissa, right? Yeah, she's yeah. the one who messages me. But she, whenever I want to go, it's flipping kickboxing. So <laughs> I'm just like, Ugh, I don't want to do kickboxing, so I don't do it. So. Yeah. How, is, how, is, how is living on a boat for 18 years? I, can't, not, I not, cannot imagine. No, it's not, it's not fully eight. It's like you go on for four months, you go off for two. You okay. work for four, you work for two. You work for four, sometimes you work for three or five, and you're off for two or three. It all depends on the schedule. So, can, so, so do you, when you're off those months, do you do anything? Or? Yeah, I go home, and then I spend time with my daughter, and I do jiu-jitsu, and uh, hang around with friends, do some extra work, and you know, do my so own little things at home. And then when it's time to go, I go back again. So you have kids? Kid? Yeah, I just uh, have a four-year-old daughter. Her name is Yasmin. And uh, took her to jiu-jitsu at the age of four. I got her dressed in a little kimono doing forward rolls. <laughs> it's so cute, man. I just couldn't believe it. She's how, like, how, is, how is that sailing away from your daughter for four a months? Terrible, man. The worst feeling in the world. But it's for a better cause. The money on the ships is, is amazing. I'll never make this back at home. Okay. So it's a good... Uh, it's good yeah, pay. you make... Whatever I make in my country, times three on the ship. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So when, so when you're off the boat, you don't have to work? Or? No, no. Because if I'm saving the money, I have a lot of money. And, Do you spend yeah. any money on the ship? Or? No, you don't need to, actually, because you get food for free, accommodation's free, your food's free, your laundry's free. And, I mean, when you eat, it's a buffet. You get all the fruits, 
all the salads, all the meats, proteins, all the desserts, all the drinks, all the coffees, always. They, you know, they have to give it to you because, and they have to give variety because some people are vegans, some yeah. people eat differently. So they have to take care of everyone. So the food's not an issue. Your cabin gets cleaned if you're an officer. Mm. Uh, you get benefits. Certain officers can use certain lounges, can eat in certain places, get coffee certain places. But if you crew, not so good. You mm. can't go anywhere. You have a share cabin, two to four people Shoveling in the cabin. Shoveling coal every, all day. That's very boring. <laughs> yeah, can you Setting imagine? Sail. Four people in one little box like this. Yeah. Two people on top. One hand, two on top and two on bottom. And you share one toilet. Man, I walked in there. I was like, ah, no way, man. That's hectic. But, but they make... In their country, yeah, for their country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's impossible to it's make the money. A lot of um, from people from Madagascar. It's Philippines, Philippines Indian, yeah. Philippines and Indians yeah. are the because they're the cheap labor. Yeah, sure. Like if they get ten dollars, they can buy a house. <laughs> Just exaggerated, <laughs> but, but you know that's yeah. a pretty good deal. <laughs> they make good money on the ships, yeah. so that's why they're the easiest to hire. Yeah. Us, on the other hand, uh, they got to pay us, and uh, we'll do the high job, like human resources hotel directors, cruise directors, all the, the high positions, and these are offices. We get our own little place to eat, and some ships are different to others. Like uh, Princess, for example, you go in, you get the menu, you can order off the menu, and you get served your dinner. <laughs> Unbelievable. You can order wine, you can have beer, whatever Is that you want. where you're at now? No, no, I was before. Now, this one is, uh, I, I eat in the officer area, but <clears throat> we don't get served. We go dish ourselves up in a buffet. But on the no other, shame. yeah. But still, the buffet is a buffet, man. Like, what? Uh, no waiters? No. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait, no waiters, waiters. But you got to take your own plate, of course. No. <laughs> you have to wash it. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's asking too much now. <laughs> so, what, what ship are you on? Are you on right I'm now? on uh, Silver Seas. The uh, Silver Seas, and the ship's name is the Wind. The smallest and the oldest of them all. Mm. And it's like, looks like it's falling apart. But, yeah. I think I saw it out there today. Yeah, that's the right yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a small one. Yeah. Small white one. I've requested not to go back to it because uh, the small ships are not good for me because now I have to share a cabin because there's not enough room. My other bigger ships I don't share. And, yeah, the ship is so old. It's, like, rusted and it's falling apart. And the newer ships are decent. They go well. Everything's good. Nothing's breaking. Yeah, everything's, like, running on thread. Did you ever get caught? Did you ever get caught in like really bad weather? Or? Yeah, I've had many experiences. Uh, shaky seas, rough seas, things are falling and breaking everywhere. You're walking and you're trying to go straight, but you're hitting the wall on that side. Oh, that's uh, horrible. But I remember one uh, New Year's, just five minutes to New Year. We're all in the crew bar. We're all partying. Everyone's drunk, and you hear assessment party, assessment party. Report to deck five, aft, zone three, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. We're like, what? Because that means they've got to go assess this, uh, something's going on, a fire mm. or something. So all the crew are continuing their party, we all party, and then we hear the alarm going. One long blast, we have to go to our crew alert station. So we're like, what the fuck's going on? Everyone's drunk, people are carrying bottles of booze with them to <laughs> their, 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 their master station. We all get to our stations, everyone's pissed, we're all laughing, and, but you know, it's, it's, it's serious. The, the, there was a, somebody flicked cigarette and it flew behind the ship into the back where the propane tanks were and oh. the fire started. <laughs> so <laughs> the safety officer. Yeah, we were just sitting on the walkie talkies and listening to, oh, they're fighting the, the fire, fire, they're fighting the fire. I'm like, oh shit, this is serious. And then um, <clears throat> 10 minutes later or something, they fought the fire, they killed the fire. Uh, the drill was over. And the next day we docked the ship and we all went to look at the back of the ship, just black. 
all burnt. Well. Luckily, the propane tanks didn't blow up or anything because we would have been at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. So, yeah. And sometimes they have dry dock where the ship goes into a dry dock mm. where they have to fix the ship. No AC, no toilets. It's a, it's a dump. You've got to sleep where the people sleep on the outer decks. You, oh, it's, there's paper, there's dirt, dust, people drilling. It's a sh dump. So I don't recommend that. Our <laughs> crew members. Yeah. So, uh, you, so you, have, you have some mats on the ship? Yeah, I, um, when I get on board, I go out and I order online or I order from Amazon if I'm in a US port and they, they get delivered. I actually ordered those flexi mats that you had on my one ship and then I bring them on board and I hide them somewhere. And then I go around the ship looking for Brazilians because <laughs> they all got name tags in the country. So I'm like, hey, well, you, you do jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I, I swear yeah, to you, bro, every single one. <laughs> hey, do you do jiu-jitsu? Even if it's a Jap Japanese guy, hey, do you do jiu-jitsu? And then I look at their ears and I look at their name badges and I'm like, damn. Just I'm look like, for, like, tap out singlets. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them are like, no, I don't do jiu-jitsu. I'm like, but man, you're from Brazil. What's your problem? Man? No, 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 no. <laughs> so eventually I find, but I don't find Brazilians. So I found an Italian guy who was so, just wanted to learn. And every night at 10, 10.30, he would come up, we'd set up the mats, we'd do the normal drills, technique, technique, and he would train with me every day for months. And then after like three months, he was so good, I actually had a problem rolling with him because he knew all my moves, yeah, yeah. everything that I knew. So I couldn't get him because he knew every counter for me. So it was good. And then he left. Then I found a girl from Brazil. She came along and she rolled with me. Then she left. And then I found another guy. And sometimes when I'm rolling, guests would walk past the guest area and they'd see me in the, doing jiu-jitsu and I had a, a nagi, nagi guy come. And he would come every night in his seven-day cruise. He would come and just roll with me, him and his dad. And then sometimes on another ship, I had a Gracie guy from other club saw me rolling. He rolled with me, and then he'd give me a shirt or something. So there's always possibilities. Mm. you just got to open up to let them see. And on this one, I bought six of them, big mats, carrying them in the street. And I looked like, I don't know. Got on board, people like looking at me, what the hell is this guy doing? Got upstairs, and uh, I hid them in, a, in the AC engine room because there's nowhere to train and they're in the underneath this engine area. So when we train, we get the key, we unlock this huge bulk door, we pull it open, we get in, everything's green, and there's AC, there's metal pipes everywhere, and then I set up the mats, and we do little little circle, like, like drills, like we run in little circles, we do knees, we do touch our bums, we do shrimps, all that, in this little area, and then when the ship shakes, it's a, shakes, it's a bit rocky, it's a bit dangerous, because you can hit into one of these uh, metal pieces or something. But anyway, we got the hang of it. And we roll in, and then we're done, we pack it away, and then uh, I take on board with me like three, four kimonos, and when I find somebody, I just dish them out and I let them keep them, and then when they leave, nice. they give it back to me. <laughs> Dedicated, man, I just, I love it too much. Uh, That's pretty good. So, so where, where, are you, where are you sailing right now? So now we're sailing just the Caribbean, mm -hmm. and then uh, we do, our invocation port is San Juan, and then we pick up San Juan, we drop off, and then we do that one or two more times, and then we have seven, eight sea days, and we're crossing over to Barcelona. Is it, is it there's only one place where you can embark, right? On yeah, one place on the where the, when you embark where they come on and off. Because I was looking at, um, I was trying to find, we were just thinking of going somewhere, and... Um, with little kids, you don't want like to fly, to have connecting flights yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it was like Miami, like Florida is kind of the same as mm. here, just with bigger roads. Yeah, Florida, <laughs> they have, they've got like, I'm not lying to you, 10, 20 cruise ships all in yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, but we, got, we found one from Guadalupe. But I was looking at something from St. Martin, but I couldn't find anything. No, there won't I be. Think, uh, You'd have to fly to San Juan or Fort Lauderdale or... Guadalupe. 
That's where we go. Yeah, or you go. But what you do is you go there for like a day or two and you holiday there a bit and then you get on the ship. Yeah. Or you go, get straight on the ship and when you come back, you holiday a little bit before you... I back. think the, the, the timing is perfect because the flight from here to Guadalupe lands like five hours before the boat departs. So, so it's like perfect. And, and from the Guadalupe, is it a road trip? Yeah, round trip, seven days, you get back to Guadalupe and we fly here, it's 45 yeah, minutes. Awesome, yeah. When you get on the ship, you're going to go there, they're going to welcome you with smiles and all this happy look and, and deep down they're like, oh, another bloody, another, it's like for them it's like a repetition, it's another cruise. So, and, and as you say, I just walk right in and say, I'm going to review you. I'm going to write reviews on Google <laughs> well, uh, not and like like, that. I'm going to wear a t-shirt with like Yelp, TripAdvisor, <laughs> TripAdvisor Senior Reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put on that teacher. <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you, but they send out emails to like most of the people on the ship. This guest is very like uh, complaint, so please be aware. So like they send emails out to people to be aware of these kind of things. But no, all you're going to do is just get on. I'm going to be super obnoxious. <laughs> just uh, make sure you are very um, blunt and sure about how you are with your your things and everything will be fine. They'll remember your name, they'll give you the correct food you want. If you complain about your food, they'll make sure the food that you get is correct. If you're not happy with your cabin, complain, they will try to accommodate. Just be French. Yeah, just be French. <laughs> <laughs> you're 100% wrong. Bro. Just be French. <laughs> I'm practicing here. You have to get it, bro. You'll get it, bro. You'll get it. <laughs> I, had, I had a year and a half of practice in French. That's true, right? That's a little bit of French arrogance. <clears throat> It's uh, you get room service. It's it's good times, bro. It's good. It'll be, it'll, it's fun. I just wanted to try something different. I haven't actually been sailing ever. I thought seasick. it'll be like a new uh, kind. Of, well, I've been on boats, but never right. something like this. So, yeah, you so might, uh, expand expand my horizon a little bit. Yeah, they will give you uh, if you get seasick. They'll give you uh, these stickers this, that you put at the back of your ears. I don't know how, but it helps you balance. And if you get seasick, you put these things on your ears, or you get the ones that you put on your wrist. It's mm -hmm. got like a button, and it's like puts pressure on your vein. I don't know how to actually what it does. Or just eat a green apple helps with your metabolism or whatever. Oh, wow. Helps to stabilize when you're seasick. Seasickness. Well, my own those big boys, you know, have seasick. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, man. <laughs> okay. Rough seas. That ship. It, they have stabilizers, but yeah. it's still, okay. you know, it still rocks. I'm, I, I never see, so it's I like you know, but I, I that. It's like you're drunk and you don't have to drink. <laughs> That's what it feels like. You walk in, you're looking straight ahead, but your body's just going like this, swaying from side to side, and you're like trying so hard to go straight. <laughs> like sometimes you aim for the door, you walk in, all of a sudden you hit the wall. You're like, what? Because the boom. <laughs> it's dangerous sometimes, eh? but you get used to it, you know. Sea legs. How long are you going to keep doing this? One more, I think. Uh, I've got a plan because of you. You've changed oh, my whole sorry. life. My yeah, man. <laughs> the podcast. Uh, yeah, your podcast changed. But, hey, man, it, it, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, that moment, it just happens in a split second. Mm. That's what happened, man. It happened for me in a split second. Uh, when I heard your podcast, it just changed my whole perspective to life. And uh, I started to pursue entrepreneurship now, man. So, um, well, if you got I'm, 18 years on chips, you got a lot of experience. Yeah, there's, so, there is a, definitely a niche there. So, I'm going to do the crew, uh, this crew thing. But I'm also doing many things. I'm also doing kimonos. Um, I see you also do them, but I'm going to try to do from uh, import from Alibaba and then do it in my country a few. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to do multiple things, you know, because uh, as you said, your thing just struck me so right. Like if you have one person 
controls your life and your job, and then one day he just says, yeah, cheers, right. man, you're gone. <laughs> uh, um, that just opened up my eyes. I was like, man, you know, I yeah, have many, multiple things where it doesn't that's, matter. That's not financial security. Yeah, you're 100% right, man. I just, look, I, I, I have no regret, but I just, I wish this happened to me many years ago, but I, I, it's not too late, as you said, to plant a tree. So, see, man, uh, I've, uh, I don't know, man, you just, then I started reading books. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Those are my books, bro. Oh, nice. Yeah, Richard Branson. That's a bit boring. I'm enjoying it, but it's a bit too much story. It's not getting me. Did you read the first one? The Content Inc.? Yeah, no, 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 the no. Yeah, I'm halfway into that. No, that this is the second one, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, just that's a, uh, that's a. No, that's the first one. Losing my virginity. That's right? when, yeah, that's the one where. Oh, uh, the other one is finding. Yeah, that's the first one. I love that one. Yeah, I'm busy halfway. It's telling stories when he was a kid, and he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's all. Oh, that's yeah. that's a good book. Yeah, I'll recommend you some more. Yeah, it'd be great, man. Uh, I got my my book list here. I'll I'll send you some recommendations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, how many places do you think you you trained like on the boat? Ah, oh, so many, man. I just sometimes I just forget so many of them, man. It's like it's like a non-stop. I just search and search. So here's the itinerary. So we are March. Uh, so I'll be going to Spanish Town, Castries, Granada, Bridgetown, Maria, Guadalupe, Satira, Saint John, all these places. Castries, Charleston, oh. San Juan, Saint Petersburg. So when are you going to be back here? So for here I will be back in 16 of March. Oh, it says Gustavia, Guadalupe. Yeah, 8 to 10, 16 of March, uh, and that's to 10. That's in two weeks. In yeah, two that's weeks. great. And then you'll be gone on 1st of April, so I might miss you. And then the next, the overnight is 20 of March to 21, so you'll be here. I got inside like a fish bag. No, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm like an absolute kind of, you know, I only surfed a little bit on like holidays. So, oh, okay. And here a little bit when I have time, but as you said, like, here I'm just like a white belt training only with like 20 year black belts you know? <laughs> in the water. I'm like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm all right now, but I feel like an absolute fucking uh, noob yeah, you know? because these guys are all been doing it all their lives. So I, I, I only feel like I can serve. It's like, I, you know, when you roll and everybody's so good, you only feel like you know anything when you have like new people coming in. Yes. Then suddenly you're like, shit, I can actually pull this off. <laughs> in everyday training, you just can't do anything. So that's, that's how I feel about surfing here. So okay, I'm, cool. So you're a Jets boy. It's yeah, I, I did Jiu-Jitsu for 20 years and just like surfed a little bit on holidays. So that's it. Yeah, I know. I'll live, to live and do Jits till my knees pack out. I'll never stop <laughs> if ever that happens. Well, you, you, gotta think, you gotta think long term about your health for jiu-jitsu. It's super yeah. important. I've seen way too many people just ruin it because they're too eager or they have a, meaning, an unhealthy style. Meaning stretching or um, eat-wise, food-wise? Food-wise, I'm always trying to keep healthy, always. Uh, it's just part of my uh, regimen. I like to always try to eat well. Odd occasions I have bad stuff, but that's just life. But I've, I cut down on all that. Uh, I think more like approach to training and rolling. I think for me, I, I, had, I had many years where I was like constantly injured. Like I had every single injury you can imagine. Like I, everything, every, every joint. Back, neck, every shoulder, all elbows, fingers, hands, ah. knees, everything. Uh, because I, I pretty much trained like, I trained, competed and, and was teaching Jiu-Jitsu full time for more than 10 years. Like I did nothing else. That was all I did before. I didn't have kids, no nothing, no job. I, I was just doing Jiu-Jitsu, nothing else. Uh, and like in a pretty, in a, I mean, we built up a really good gym. Over, I had it for 15 years, and uh, 
and we trained with, with the guys I know really well, I'll, I'll train really hard, you know, like really competitive with, with, with people I, I, I just meet or I don't know. I, I, I do a completely different style, more like kind of counterboxing, like, you know. I know it's just, just kind of. <laughs> I approach it more like surfing, you know. There's a yeah, wave I, coming, I, I don't know. and I see if I can keep my balance and maybe do a few tricks. But that's know? really. Uh, I'm really not nice. gonna fight the wave. But you it know? was really nice. Uh, sometimes it's a. Really I just kind of, you know, it's more like jujitsu kind of came full circle for me in some weird sense because, in the beginning when I was like 18, I wanted to learn how to fight, you know, fight someone. Then I realized I'm never gonna fight anyone unless I I, I look for a fight, <laughs> which would be kind of stupid. So then. It became a sport, you know, because then you can actually fight, kind of fight, fight, of without, you know, being an idiot. So there was like sport jiu-jitsu and, and MMA and, and like Muay Thai and all that. And then it became, it was a sport for many years. And then it became more like a teaching thing. I was more teaching jiu-jitsu. And now it's, it's, now it's just like fitness, you know. It's, yeah. the, only, it's the only hobby... If, physical activity I know that can really keep me interested <laughs> and uh, and my approach is not is, is like way off competition or anything it's more like it's more like an art now yeah? like an art it's, it's really like it's really it's a gentle art now yeah. it's kind of cheesy to say but jiu-jitsu yeah. has become the gentle art for me again because it's it's the art of of using as it's, it's like I try to make it look like Aikido sometimes yeah? <laughs> I try to be super relaxed and use absolute minimum power and still take people down or still not get swept or submitted or yeah. passing, you know? And just be like absolute, like full on Steven Seagal. <laughs> Sometimes standing up, you know, just relax. I saw how you rolled. They comfort and, and you just kind of, if I can just, it's, 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 then it becomes an art form. If you can make people fall without like fucking power double like them, you know? <laughs> so I think that's the interesting thing for me now. And then it's great fitness. Uh, but what was my point? Where did I come from with this? Yeah, but you, you, you roll very, um Strategically, I noticed you just take it slow. But I'll go different with people I know really. Yeah, yeah. Like from like the, the purple brown black belts from home, I would we would go like full on, uh, full on fight to the death. <laughs> uh, sometimes, so. but any okay. What, so what I was saying about thinking long term about jujitsu is, is um, walking in uh, sandals all year long. Fucks up my feet. Uh, I was injured all the time because I, I had these long periods of, of training really hard and competing and you know, if, even if I'm not competing, people are training with me super, super hard for competitions. And, uh, and then I realized at some point I was out with injury for like a year and a half. I was just sitting on the mat every single day, teaching, co coaching, like watching people roll, going to competitions, but I couldn't do anything myself, not even drilling or showing techniques sometimes. For a year and a half, and I was like, fuck, this can't be right. I was like, 30 or something. You know when they always say when you turn 30, that's when the injuries come? The weekend I turned 30, <laughs> I, I got super injured and I was out for a year and a half. Um, I was like, this can't be right. This can't be right. Uh, well, slip disc in my back. Anyway. And then I looked back and I realized that every single major injury I had, every single one, no exceptions, came from pushing myself to the limit. You know, to close to 100% or a little bit more than 100%. I, and I guess, you know, an injury by definition is, is your body reaching the limit and going above the limit and it'll say like, okay, stop. This, this part of your body is going to be, uh, what do you say, inflammated Infl mm -hmm. for, for, uh, for a while so you don't move it. Like, that's what your body tells you because you, you went too far. And I was like, shit, every single thing, every single major knee injury, 
like back injury, neck injury, everything, shoulder, it was because I just pushed myself too far. And uh, so I made a decision of going just like, everything I do is like 80%, no, never more than 80%. That's the maximum. So if, if I could roll 100% intensity, I'll go 80. Or usually I'll go like yeah, 30, yeah. 40 with, with people I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or if I can train five days a week, I'll train three. If I can go 10 rounds, I'll go eight. Huh? Okay. If I can do 10 pull-ups, I'll do seven. No, I'll never go more. Never ever. Uh, and, uh, and you know what? Not a single injury since. This since I was 32. So it was like uh, almost four years of not one, not a single oh, injury. <laughs> Nothing. And before that, I was like struggling and like constantly physiotherapy and like rehab, like oh. nonstop rehab for years. I was always rehabbing. I owned a CrossFit gym for like six years. I never did a single CrossFit lesson. I, I just did rehab. <laughs> I, I just did the, you know, the rubber bands. <laughs> That's all I did. I put in like so much money and time in building it. <laughs> I had like 15 people working there. I just did the rubber bands. Oh, no, That's man. all I did. And like some balls, you know, that was it. And then I, I, I just so okay, if, if I have energy for like half an hour of rolling and half an hour of lifting weights, I'll just roll for 25 minutes and not do anything more. Okay. I stop lifting, stop lifting weights because that's by definition going to my limit. You know? like, that's what you do. You push, push your body close to the limit. And you know, four years, not a single injury. I have sprained my finger at the moment. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Nothing else hurts. I think I'm going to take it's that amazing. into account. Thanks. It's like the best advice, I, uh, the best thing I ever did for jiu-jitsu. I, I really hope. But, you know, when you're 22, you train every oh, day no, for four or five hours. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't think about that. Just what, what, 22, when was that? That's so long ago. That's, a, that's a while ago, yeah. <laughs> and you recover, like, overnight, like yeah. that, yeah. But uh, that's what I did, and, and I had no interest since. So that's why, and, and especially, you know, I go to the camps almost every month. And every camp, everybody wants to roll with me. I want to roll with everyone. So, like, for a week-long camp, long camp, I'll roll with 100 people or more, you know? And uh, if I went hard on them, like, competitive, I would die. Yeah, I would yeah. die, you know? Even, even I, I can handle myself technically, but just pure, like, physical exhaustion from, from rolling with so many people, it's impossible. You, you, I'm going to push some part of my body way too hard. Yeah, so at the camps, I go, like, you know, Full Bruce Lee, be like water, you know. <laughs> Steven Seagal, kind of. See if I can just defend myself with a hand in the face and nothing else. <laughs> Stay there. Yeah. Don't move. <laughs> see if I can wrestle them with like look like an Aikido master, you know. Grab the elbow and they fall. <laughs> Even if it doesn't work, I, I aim for it. You know, I aim for it to look like it's awesome, like man. grandmaster. <laughs> in reality, it's just because I can't possibly do. If I went competitive, like. I would do in, in my gym in Copenhagen, I would do five rounds and I'm done. That's okay. Four or five and that's it. I would be coughing my lungs out. There would be nothing left. Excellent. So it's kind of, I kind of developed like, a, I think that started when I was traveling. I, I'm not sure if you have or, or will kind of experience the same, but when I traveled <coughs> and I rolled in a new gym every day for five months, you know, you have to, you have to kind of go easy. Yeah, yeah. You have to relax and it's, let them play and you kind of, feel their game, you know, and you try to keep your balance. Yeah, that's um, hard sometimes because when I, when I travel and then uh, I go to new gyms, new gyms, I see a newcomer, and then you get the, the, the guys that want to, oh, here comes a new guy, let's uh, see how good he really is, uh, or let's push him, and then uh, you get the one guy. There's always that one guy who comes along and uses all his power and all his tactics or whatever just to get you, and he just he uses so much strength on you that you actually have to fight his game to get through. And that's when you, 
you know. I've met all of them. Every yeah. single one. <laughs> so you know. Eh? You, yeah. you start in Europe, you go east, and, and I've met everyone uh, there on that route. You know what the trick is? I just tap out to them every yeah, five seconds. Do, every yeah. five seconds, I just tap. When the round is over, I say thank you, and I grab someone else. Yeah. I yeah, never yeah. fight back. Yeah, never. Yeah. I never fight back. I, I, because I, I, if I do that, I, I can't do 10 more rounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably beat them. I don't know. Probably. Unless they're really young and like train a lot. Uh, but what does it matter if, if, it is, if it costs me like 5 or 10 extra rounds? Because I have no energy. I just let them do their thing. And I just get in a ball. And I try to let them do their, you know, let them do their thing like what you were doing. And then if I get the opportunity, I'll go for it. It's an important skill for, traveling, for the traveler. Traveling jiu-jitsu practitioner totally different, eh? is to uh, is to kind of dodge, kind of you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the water. The big wave comes. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't try to yeah, ride it. Don't true, fight eh? it. You know, you know survive. Home, back at home, they know the same people, the same faces. They train with the same exactly. people, so they all know their rhythm. You go travel. Swim around it. You know? yeah. Just wait for the next one. That's easier. That's more I fun. Remember that saying. Wait yeah. for the wave. <laughs> don't don't take the biggest, most evil wave. You know? <laughs> don't try it. Just kind of. Okay, it's gonna it's gonna trash you around a little bit, but you you just let it happen, you know. Get out on the other side and wait for a nicer one that you can play on, you know. Instead of here's the biggest one I'm gonna fight it. Not not let that wave think it's anything. Hundred percent, man. <laughs> really, hundred percent. I think in the beginning I, I was different, you know, Ronnie. When when I I did I did that round the world trip for five months. In the beginning I was fighting way harder, but uh, it kind of developed, you know. And I try to go as fluent as... So it becomes like an art, eh? a, a gentle art of violence. <laughs> Way of life, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but, but it's more like... At least it, it's an interesting physical... Uh, uh, because that, that is what you just is. At the end of, like, at the essence, at the core, it's trying to, to use as little energy as possible yes, right? yeah, to control aggression. So, at, at, of course, you need to get to a certain level of, of competence before you can actually try it like yes. I do. I, I spend like, I take like a few years of trying to make it look like Aikido. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can take, I can afford to take a few years <laughs> off for that project. <laughs> but, um, but that's interesting. And, and this is, that's what I try to do. And you know, it kept me off injuries and that's the most important. I can train three times a week with the guys here. Yeah. And uh, I stay in good shape. And, and, you know, fuck if you train hard and you get in good shape. But if you're, if you're constantly injured for one or two months, then you get out of shape uh, again. I don't like to be injured. I rolled a guy. He was a brown belt. He was like 95 kgs. And I don't know what happened, but I think I was rolling him. And he was, and I was, you know, making him work for his money, kind of. You know what I mean? And he armored me and I turned and he stretched me out and he broke my ribs. Oh. My ribs came out. Broke your wrist from an armbar? Yeah, from an armbar. And then as he did it, I was so angry. I stood up. I was so angry. I went for him because I like, you know. But <laughs> yes. then, like, you can see there's a lump here. It's yeah. never gone away. My ribs, ribs are like out of proportion, mm. forever damaged. Eight weeks, I was out taking pills, couldn't breathe, couldn't cough. It's not worth it. You fought the big wave, man. Yeah, man. Well, you I, tried he, to ride it. He, he got angry, so he attacked <laughs> me and he wanted to hurt me. You know, I, I had another guy also. I said to him, I'm very hard to choke, choke out because I, I, I have a that. strong neck and I don't give up my neck. I know how to control my neck. I don't know what, how to say or how to... Yeah, yeah. I know my little system that I do. So this guy, he thought, well, okay, this guy wants to act like he, he, he can't get tapped out by getting choked. So what does he do? We roll. He gets me. Man, he choked me out. So he literally did it on purpose. He, he 
he choked me so hard that he nearly broke my esophagus. Oh, so I had to go to hospital and get it checked. I couldn't talk properly. It was damaged for months. But, you know, this is not the type of guy. He was just an angry soul, maybe, who didn't have any love at home or something. <laughs> well, I don't know, but he just got really angry or tried to prove a point. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the way I do things. I mean, Those are the guys you just tap to many times yeah. and just take the next one. Yeah. So, just, just, just take the the more fun ride. Yeah. Next, just, that comes yeah. up next. It's a good, good point. Uh, yeah. They go the wave. Right. Catch the next one. Eh? Yeah. It's very insane. Eh? Because that's exactly where you get injured. See, you it's broke a rib and you had to go to hospital. Yeah, that's life. It's just for uh, one permanent. round. It's permanent, man. I can so, never, it's never. So you think it. that just, just, just because you were trying to fight back at that, imagine how many rounds you lost. You can't do. That's a lot. This is like yeah, hundreds yeah, know, for broken rib <laughs> and like it's so many nice rolls you missed out on oh, just no, for no. one guy yeah. where you wanted to prove a point uh, or he wanted to prove, you both wanted to prove a point. Yeah, well, but I also noticed that it's when you fight bigger guys, that's when the injuries come. I noticed anybody who's heavier than you by five to 10 upwards, that's when the injuries start because it's the weight distribution really affects you, I feel. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I've noticed. When I fight bigger guys, you have to push harder sometimes. But maybe at my, at my level, not yet. But at your level, you know how to handle the leverage. But It's a skill. It's yeah, a it's skill. a skill, but I'm not there yet. So at this level, when I fight bigger guys, it's harder for me, and the weight plays a huge part for me, mm. even though it's jiu-jitsu, is, is the game of the, the sport is leverage. But I'm not at that level, so I struggle with the heavy guys. So that's why now I try to avoid just don't fight so hard. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just don't fight them so hard. But then they find squash me. You know? So what? Find they're your like, happy place. They're like on top of me and I'm dying okay. there and I can't move. Big fucking wave is coming. You know it's going to smash you. <laughs> right? It? This is your time to practice being calm underwater. You know? And they just give it the tempo. It's gonna, you're going to be like this for 10 seconds underwater. And okay. what are you going to do? Are you going to try to get up? Okay. Or are you just going to, you know, okay. find your happy place? Okay. Just see, wait till you, just float. Wait till you get up. You know? It's the same. You know, the big guys, you don't try to push them off. You try to, you know. Okay. No, no, I take uh, your, your, I take it all because in. Because you know, because what's more important, you try to beat them, but they, they, because they, they're heavy and you get injured and you lose out on 50 rounds of rolling with, with more fun rolls. Yes, no? yes, or yeah. you practice, you practice, uh, you know, finding your happy place under pressure, like under, okay. under, yeah, you under give in. pressure of gravity. So, you know, with really big guys, I'll just try to see how little energy can I spend on, on defending myself, on not dying, you know, not drowning. Okay. Can I just stay afloat? You know? And then if I want to practice my, my escapes and my strong frames and my, my power passes and side control, I'll do that on someone else. Understand. You know? So I, I have a few, I have like one guy here who's uh, really big, like 120 kilos probably. But I play a completely different game with him, you know. I just see, can I keep him in my guard? with minimum energy. And if he's passing, can I, can I stay comfortable under all the pressure? Because he's gonna squash me. He's a beginner, you know? But if he puts all the pressure, I, I'll probably tap just from his weight. So, that's, so he will provide me with the, with the practice of, of just you know, staying calm under pressure. Because that's a, that's a separate skill you need in Jiu-Jitsu. Mm, you like, you're never gonna be able to move always. Like even if, if it, it's not necessarily the big guy, but you might feel the same pressure for, from someone who's just technically good at holding top position. And, and then you better pull that skill out of your pocket, being calm under pressure. The plan and, and not necessarily get out, but just you know, survive. Yeah, it's... So you gotta see every person as a, as, as a different, you know, you sharpen a different tool on every single person, every, depending on their game or yeah, their yeah, size yeah, or yeah. Their, their mentality. Some are, some are aggressive douchebags, 
Yeah. Okay, so what do you do? You, you, you know, you try to survive and, and tap out a lot. That's, that's, a, that's practice too. Tapping out is a very important practice. Yes. Uh, and then you have it. the smaller guys. Like with you, it's difficult because I'm physically bigger, but you're really strong and, 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 like, and tight and you move a lot. So I try to relax, but I, I would still need some little burst of power to open you up. Yes. Uh, so I can't just, you know, yeah, yeah. I can't just like hippie float and, and find the opening because there's no opening unless I, I pull you a little bit. So that's, that's my practice with you is, is to be relaxed and find a little opening and just use a very short burst of, of energy to, to do something. Ah, I see. You see like standing up. Yes. I, I try to just you know, be like almost like a sack of potatoes yeah. and then find the moment where I can take like execute the perfectly executed crisp technique of a takedown. Because if I can do it like that, if I then in another situation against someone who's bigger and better and stuff, then I put in all the attributes if I'm fighting for my life, which I will never do, but you know, <laughs> or in competition, and, and then I know if I can do it with zero power, I can do it with full power. All right. You have any plans for today? No, nothing. Just uh, I gotta get in my basement at work. <laughs> I just need to. Do, how far is this um, um, juice place? Tom's juice is. Oh, it's in town. I'll show you. It's not called Tom's Juice Bar anymore because they sold it. There's, it's another. Uh, but do you think they have? Uh, I just. It's they, by the pier, right? Anyway. No, I'll show you where it is. Okay, cool. Oh, just we can go there right now. <coughs> All right, just Should lift this place up. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. My pleasure. Oh. Disgusting cars on the island. Please, man, if I tell you my car, I don't even have a car. I got a flipping 2001 Fiat. It's like an olden day car. It's a little hatchback. It's 2001. <laughs> we had that uh, hurricane here uh, five months ago, and the cars <laughs> just took such a beating. But it's still, it's still driving. You know, it was full of broken glass and leaves for a few months, but it, it got a little bit more character. You know. I feel clo I feel closer to my car now. It's it's complete, and you know, having two kids is equivalent of a, at least like a category four, yeah, three hurricane. Four, you know, so. so. These kids are amazing, They're crazy at the same time. Uh, so, I gave up on having a nice car, a nice, clean car. All right. So you're back on the boat. At what did you say? Yeah, four. But I will go and have some look for some acai and some fruit or whatever, and then I'll yeah. just hang around for 20, 30 minutes, and then I'll head back and start to go to my office and continue listening to my entrepreneur stuff and yeah. uh, continue with my website. Every day, <clears throat> I now schedule myself to stuff. I'd rather schedule and I'm from 8 in the morning until 7 at night, I follow a schedule. How much How much do you work there? Uh, nothing. You don't work? <laughs> <laughs> no, my job's too easy. Right? Okay. I just push buttons. Like I control all the TV, so I make sure right. everything's playing. Do you have free access to like the pay-per-view porn thing on the? No, you have to pay. We don't have it on this ship, but some of the ships you do. We have this where you gotta. You have. We have that pay-per-view stuff, but you gotta pay. Ah. You seen the planes? I never get tired of those planes coming awesome. in. 
Did you get to see, like, check out this island at all, or? No, uh, only just the Shell Beach. That's all I've seen. Yet. Okay, that's yeah, all that's, I've ever done yet. That's where all the tourists go. Yeah, I've not done anything else. I mean, it's. So next time you come, I'll take you around a little bit more. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Yeah. Uh, Today I'll get in the basement and get some work done. I gotta pick up my kid in two hours. So. Um, what do you do in your basement? Your web work and. Uh, I have just set up a little office there. Oh, okay, cool, man. I have a few. Uh, I keep a few girls down there. <laughs> I give. I, I, I gotta feed them, you know. <laughs> I gotta feed them a little bit. <laughs> it's been it's been a few days, so uh, I gotta. Awesome. I gotta get down there with some <laughs> some leftovers. Some, some food. <laughs> uh, no, I set up a little office there. It's just awesome. I, I gotta do. This. Some stuff. You know. No worries. Yeah. No, ten, ten, ten camps a year don't plan themselves. So. Yeah. Is that your boat? Yeah, yeah, that's a. Small that's boat. a small one, man. Yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah, I know, man. That's, that's <laughs> totally embarrassing. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. All right. Let's see what we can find here. So here's the juice bar, formerly known as Tom's Juice Bar. And uh, they used to have it at least. I don't, I'm not on the SIE craze. You don't like it? It's just ice cream, man. Yeah, but it's, uh, <laughs> the antidote, I understand, but the, the, it's the ingredients inside. It's, it's sugar. The main ingredients is sugar. Yeah, but if the antibodies in there, they help. Yeah, of course. Oh, come on. It's just sugar. But it's good sugar or bad sugar? It's bad sugar. All sugar is no, bad. No, sugar is bad. But Come okay. on. You're, you're, just, you're just like craving sugar. That's no. it. Of course you... Such a downer, that's like, <laughs> get it, get it. You'll, you'll get a little bit closer to your pillow if you eat it. For sure. You know what my theory on acai is in jiu-jitsu? You know, a lot of like gringos go to Brazil to train. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there must be some guys in one of those tourist gyms that owned an acai place. And they're like, bro, my friend, <laughs> you gotta try this. It's good, so good for your god. <laughs> and you, I, I hate it even more because, you know, the Europeans, biggest conversation in the world, is almost the only food you can get. Yeah. So you sit there for like 12 hours a day, you feel like absolute shit. And the only food they sell is fucking ice cream with granola. <laughs> Poop. Oh, man, Christian. It was a pleasure. Unbelievable. Thank oh, you so my, much, my pleasure. man. Really, really, really Thanks for uh, all the tips. Anything you need, bro. So let me know. I'll email you all those details and the itinerary and whatever you want. If you want yeah, anything. sure. I'll, 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 I'll be here. So uh, just Definitely. let me know uh, when, when you come next time. Definitely. Awesome, man. Thank you so cool. much. Cool. Enjoy, enjoy the ice cream. Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> See you, man. Time to get home, have some lunch. That was the visitor of uh, of the day. We don't get a lot of visitors here. I mean, there's a lot of tourists on the island, but I don't get a lot of jiu-jitsu visitors. So that was really nice. Good rolls. He had a really good game. Finally, someone with like really good wrestling. That's that's not something you find that often in the jiu-jitsu world. So I enjoyed that. Alright, I'm gonna check out from this episode. I'm going home to get some lunch, get to the basement, do some work on the, one of the new Globetrotters projects, and um, 
and then training again tonight and uh, hopefully I will have some more visitors. If you ever want to come visit me here in St. Bart, you're most welcome. Um, obviously we have the camps, but um, we uh, I, I, I welcome visitors all year round. So if you're in the area or just want to come over for, for training or sightseeing or a holiday, you're most welcome. I mean, you can, it's fairly easy to get here from the US or from Europe. So uh, any day, just let me know. Uh, we don't train a lot, but uh, we do train. So a few times a week. So um, you're most welcome to come and uh, catch me for a roll here. I'm pretty much always here when there are not club uh, charters camps. So. So that was Raymond visiting uh, here in St. Bart uh, some about a month ago. Um, if you want to know more about um, working on cruise ships, I recommend you check out his website. Uh, he's actually setting up a community that's that's pretty similar to what BJJ Club Charters is doing for Jiu-Jitsu, but it's just for people working on cruise ships. So you can take a look at uh, crewlifeatsea.com. And uh, there's also a Facebook group for people who work on cruise, ship, cruise, cruise ships and who want to work on cruise ships. Um, I think it's an interesting world that I personally knew nothing about until I met this guy and uh, been looking into it a little bit. And I think uh, it's definitely interesting if uh, if it's something you have time for in your life. Um, anyway, his website is uh, has all the tools to help you uh, apply for jobs on, on cruise ships, uh, figure out wh which ones are good and bad. And uh, there's a lot of good advice if, if that's uh, a career uh, you think you could, uh, you could go for. So check out uh, crewlifeatsea.com uh, for his website. So for the question of the day from uh, our Facebook group, members of BJJ Globetrotters, um, the, the question I picked for today was, uh, can you can you tell about the process of moving to the Caribbean? Uh, really quick, I I grew up in in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I lived there all of my life. Um, and recently, uh, about a year and a half ago, I I managed to move to Saint Bart in the in the French West Indies, in a small island in the Caribbean that belongs to uh, France. Um, and the process of how it happened, people ask me all the time, why did you why did you choose that island and uh, I actually didn't. I think, uh, well, I know that the the island kind of chose me. Um, I, I didn't directly look for a place to move. Like, I didn't research it. I didn't look into places I could live or that I would like to live or anything like that. Um, but what I did was I, I put a lot of effort into purposely kind of directing my life into... Um, into a position where uh, if, if any of these opportunities would present themselves, I would be ready to take them. And also into a position where I would kind of maximize the, uh, the, the, the chance of me getting opportunities like this. Um, so you can say, I wasn't looking for it, but I, I prepared everything for it to come to me in, in one way or the other. Um, sometimes I feel like I was lucky, but on the other hand, I think there is, there is zero luck involved in, in getting here. It was, it was I, when I look back, I can see all the little, uh, every single little um, decision I made that eventually uh, made this possible. Um, I'm not even sure how to exactly describe this, but I think w one thing that's um, that's important for for things like this, at least that I found for my own my own life, is to uh, in order for for anything like this to happen, I I mean 
I, I must, as, as I talked about entrepreneurship, it's kind of the same thing that nothing happens just from, from one day to the other. It's a, it's a long, long process of, of, uh, of little things being done over a very long, long period. And that eventually leads to opportunities presenting themselves and, uh, and you being ready to take them. And I think, um, I made a decision a long, um, several years ago that I was going to try to free myself a little bit more from, from being kind of chained to one location. Uh, I ran a gym in, well, I started having like an office job and then I kind of, um, moved over to, uh, running an academy full-time in, in Copenhagen for more than, than 15 years. And um, I don't remember exactly when. It was probably around when I was 30 or something, when I turned 30, probably a little midlife crisis there. I think that's like six years ago. Um, I made a decision to kind of set myself up for doing something different. And uh, so I started uh, building um, a non-location-based income source, which would eventually turn out. I mean, I at least I... That was what I set my mind on, trying trying to figure out a, a way to, to build an income that, that's not depending on me being in one location. Uh, that kind of turned out to be BGJ Globetrotters by pretty much random chance. Um, and also I, I tried to give give up a lot of things. Like I really, I really um, put a lot of focus into buying less things and owning less things and not being kind of owned by my things instead of owning my things. Um, I, I tried to cut down a lot on, on things I had, so I, I didn't have a lot of things that would keep me in the same place. Like, I purposely didn't move to a bigger apartment, even though I could probably afford it. Um, I didn't buy, take a loan, take any loans for anything, didn't buy a big car or anything. Uh, um, just just lived a very simple life so that I could leave it at any time. I didn't have any obligations or like uh, anything I had to pay off or anything. Um, so if an opportunity presented itself, I was I would be ready to go. And one of the most difficult things to let go of was uh, the the academy I had in Denmark. Um, I started that in 2003 as a blue belt together with a friend of mine, and uh, we built it up from basically nothing. We were like five guys training to having more than 700 members at some point. Um, it was wildly successful. And um, over the years, I mean, it was, I realized it just became kind of another job. Uh, I really enjoyed teaching all the time, but there's a lot of other things coming with running an academy. And uh, it was probably the most difficult decision. Uh, one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made was to let go of it and and, and uh, sell my part in it. But uh, the moment I, I made the decision, I also realized that was the absolute the right thing to do. Um, it was such a relief to uh, to not have that, that burden anymore. And I just started showing up teaching just because I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I just, just enjoyed being there and... There are no emails or uh, accounting or any of that stuff to do. So uh, letting go of the academy was really difficult, but I did it after 15 years and uh, it was huge relief. Very, very good thing to do. I'm, I'm happy to see that it still runs uh, really well uh, back in Denmark and I'm going to go visit in, in a month or so. Uh, so I let go of all these things and, and kind of started to build another income source and save up some money and and not kind of chain myself to any any big expenses or mortgages or anything like that and and parallel to that I, I've been trying to always kind of I think of it as as uh, planting little seeds of karma everywhere I go you know like uh, every opportunity I get to 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 do a little bit good for something provide value for something that for someone um, 
I, I will take it always. Um, obviously, a way to the way you you make money is to provide value for people, and then uh, they return it with money or something else. But you don't always need need, need the money for something. Uh, value can be many things, and and I think a lot of our values as karma, and I don't mean karma in like a spiritual kind of way or something. It's more like if you do a lot of little good things or a lot of favors, provide a lot of value uh, all the time over the course of many, many years, just like tiny, tiny seeds of karma. It can be anything, just like say something nice or do something unexpectedly nice for someone or help someone with something without demanding anything in return. Like just a lot of of tiny seeds of karma. Maybe you, you plant 10,000, you know, maybe 9,990 are going to do nothing. Uh, but if just one of them grow into something big, that might change your life or create an opportunity that you, you could grab and, and change everything in, in a different direction. And uh, so, so that's what I always try to do. I don't, I'm not sure exactly where I got that from, but I always think of providing value for everyone. And uh, sometimes you get money, but most of the times you don't. You just get something else, and that accumulates over years and years. And uh, eventually something will stumble uh, coming back to you uh, from from that, and I, I truly believe in uh, in that kind of butterfly effect of of little good good deeds done. Um, and um, I think that's exactly how I ended up here. Or actually, I know that's exactly how, how I ended up here. Um, just a long process, many years of of doing planting little seeds of of karma of good things, and uh, eventually I see how it all kind of uh, came together and provided me the opportunity of uh, of moving to to a different country, happened to be a, a nice island in the Caribbean. Um, so that's 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 what I did. I prepared everything. I prepared everything in my life for uh, for taking the opportunity if it if or when it 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 kind of uh, presented itself. And then um, I spent years and years of of doing nice little things as much as I could. Uh, and I also you have to, it has to be genuine. You have to enjoy uh, doing good things for others, and um, it's kind of practical karma, not spiritual karma. And uh, so I think that's that's exactly what what uh, how I how I moved to the Caribbean. That's it. Uh, there's a lot of other things that happened uh, from from this kind of uh, recipe uh, that I try to follow. Uh, but uh, that that was like one of the things that came out of it, and I think it's very clear that's exactly what I did. I didn't sit down and, uh, you know, look at, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't even know where to start if I wanted to move to, to another country. I didn't sit and look at, like, uh, apartments for rent and, like, I don't know. I have no idea what to research. So that was the approach I took. I prepare myself, get rid of everything I, as much as possible as I had that kept me in one place, and then do nice things, provide value for for others through many years, and then just see what comes out of it. Um, yeah, so that's it. I think that's. I'm gonna stick with that with the with that for for this question. Um, in a few days, I'll be off to the U.S. camp in the in Maine. Something a place that I'm always very excited about going back to. Um, everybody always asks me like, why did you pick Maine of all places? And uh, again, I didn't really pick Maine. It was more like. I thought if I was going to do anything in the U.S., it would have to be different. I don't want to do any, I didn't really want to do like a city camp, you know, because it's often the cities are kind of spread out and 
I I really think the social aspect of the camps and also the kind of travel aspect and taking you out of your daily comfort zone is is really important for the experience. So I was just looking for a place that was in the middle of nowhere, uh, and we found this great place in the in the forest in Maine. We did it in New Hampshire the first few years, and then moved to a better facility in Maine. So um, we upgraded a little bit this time. We're going to have as much match space as in Belgium, which is a huge camp, uh, and we're going to be hundred and 65 people this year um very excited about it i'm gonna try to bring my microphone and see if i can catch a few interviews with some of the interesting people there um and that's it that's it for this episode number eight of the bgj globe Tortoise pirate radio podcast if you want to listen to any of the other episodes just look it up on uh itunes or whatever whatever that app is called on, uh, on your iphone or um you can just go to btjglobetrotters.com slash podcast. You can find all the download links and all the episodes there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one, and I will be looking forward to returning with episode nine shortly. Have a nice day, and uh, don't get injured. <laughs>